And we are back. This is week two of the On Blast podcast NFL picks. And of course, I'm joined again by my guy, Mr. Matt Russell of The Score. Betting writer at The Score. Putting in work at The Score. And if you were following along last week, helping y'all win some money. That's what we like to do here on the pod. And that's what my guy, Mr. Matt Russell, does as well. So make sure you are following along with him on the socials. Mr. Russell, how you doing? Man, I'm fantastic. We had a solid week one. And even more importantly, even bigger than in the NFL, did you hear Apple uh, has invented a time machine, which uh, <laughs> allows you to listen to week one's podcast on Apple and actually go back in time <laughs> to before week one and be able to actually make bets. So that's really big news uh, for everybody involved who likes Apple podcasts out there and particularly the On Blast podcast network. So shout out yeah. to Apple for inventing a time machine. That's sweet incredible stuff right so this <laughs> podcast you can find available wherever you get your podcast except for apple last week for some strange reason but it ended up going live you'll get it on thursdays the goal is that you will have the audio podcast for thursday morning for your thursday morning commute video will come out somewhere around 11 or 12 midday on thursday each and every week follow along on the on blast podcast network what matt's referring to is the fact that apple for some reason and I do a bunch of podcasts, and even on my other podcast feed, Apple, for some reason, didn't upload it. And this morning, Wednesday, as we are about to record this, is when Apple decided that they were going to publish last week's week one pod, which, I mean... <laughs> there's like, there's a lot of shady things that go on <laughs> in the sports betting uh, space, in the community, mm -hmm. if you will. One of the all-time shady things would be if we just put out a podcast <laughs> after the games that had all these winning picks on them. Here's what you should have taken. <laughs> right? That's so. That would be so next level that you would almost have to give us credit for uh, for that if, you, if we actually did that. But uh, anyway, uh, we, we move on to week two. We do. We move on to week two and just a little bit of house cleaning for people who might not know what we do on this podcast. I'm going to try to give out picks because I'm an idiot and I'm going to try to pick every single NFL game this season with the goal of just trying to win more than I lose. And I know that might sound kind of simplistic because the average Joes are out here thinking, wait, what? It's kind of easy to do that, isn't it? And it's like, well, really? I mean, if you're cooking mm -hmm. at 60%, you're doing pretty damn good. You're My goal, fantastic. right? You're the best. You're the best of the best. If you're cooking yeah. at sixty percent, is that am I accurate there, Matt? Yeah, I mean, especially since you're trying to do every single game, right? The one advantage that we have over the sports book, right? Everybody says it is selectivity, right? We mm -hmm. don't have to make a bet on every single game. So if you're not really feeling what's going on with the Tampa Dallas game on a Sunday night, I know it's the only game available. You don't have to bet it, right? We'll you find don't. some way to get that money uh, in, in other games. So the fact that you are just slinging picks around for every single game and even daring to try to go over 50%, let alone get up near 60%, uh, is just absolutely absurd. But, you know, that's part of the theme and, and the joy of this podcast, right? Is trying yeah. to, uh, honestly, trying to talk you out of making an actual <laughs> bet on some of these games that you want <laughs> that you want so desperately to make a bet on. For sure. And that's part of the bit, right? As you mentioned, just trying to pick every single game because, hey, there's going to be the, the Joe Schmo that's waiting around and then Sunday night comes and they're like, oh, I want to make a pick. 
What are you thinking? I want to be able to give that person at least a lean, you know, and I'll be saying, yes, I'm confident on this or I'm not really sure on this. So follow along accordingly. But the point is that I'm going to try to throw it a pick. Matt is going to try to come in. Well, not going to try. He will succeed in coming in with the information and education that we so crave on this podcast, giving us some insight into where the line is, where it was, and where it could be going just before kickoff time. And last week, 10 and 6 week, I'll take it. Anytime I get to double digits, I'm good. I'm going to take that. 10 and 6 week last week, so hell yeah. Hey, I've learned I've learned over the years of doing this though, never to get too high. And I can't say never get too low because when the bad weeks come, I do get pretty low, <laughs> but you take the wins when you can. So 10 and 6 as we head into this week and we kick things off. Week 2 with what I like to call a big boy matchup, Thursday night football. You got the Chargers at the Chiefs. Chiefs are four-point favorites at home, and what a way to kick off week two of the NFL season. Patrick Mahomes coming off a five-touchdown performance. We are talking about can he, will they continue to just roll along without Tyreek? I mean, after week one, not bad at all, right? Yeah, not bad like at it. all. He is pretty good. We know that. We knew that. Also pretty good, Justin Herbert. Chargers looking really good. One thing I learned from last week, adding Khalil Mack to a Bosa, it's a pretty good move. It's a pretty good move, right? We know there's one way. If you are going to try to slow down Patrick Mahomes, how do you do that? You do that with the pass rush. We've seen the Chargers do that year in and year out. And as much as it pains me, because you know I love to ride with the Chiefs, you know, I love to be sitting there on a Sunday needing a score of some sort, or a Thursday in this instance, needing a score of some sort, mm-hmm. cover, a spread. I like riding with Patrick Mahomes. But with the spread at four and over a field goal, and knowing the resume, the history, this is what we try to bring up here, what's happened in these previous divisional matchups, I'm going with the Chargers. Give me the points. Plus four, I'm going to take the Chargers because they got the pass rush. And, I mean, Justin Herbert's also a pretty good quarterback as well. Mm-hmm. What say you, Mr. Matt Russell? Yeah, so fundamentally, we'll start with the line here, right? Which is a change of pace from the years past where you would see, you know, Chiefs minus six on the road or even Chiefs minus six at home. Now we're down to Chiefs minus four at home against the Chargers. And there's a couple of different reasons for that. Well, first and foremost, this was actually three to three and a half throughout uh, the summer on the look ahead line, right? A lot of week two lines were up in a lot of places. I mean, listen, some places had lines for every single game basically throughout the season. And so this has actually gone up. So mm-hmm. at its core, the reason why it was three to three and a half is because of the Chargers' success that they've had over the Chiefs or with the Chiefs being able to kind of hang in games. Last year, they won at Arrowhead and then went to overtime in that incredibly painful Thursday night game where we were on the Chargers plus three and a half and lost on a touchdown in overtime. Uh, but I digress. Still hurts. Still hurts. Yeah. And, and, and again, part of that is the, you know, we always talk about ratings. So, you know, go ahead, drink up. We we're, you know, starting early here with talking about ratings. But the ratings for the Chargers this offseason are as high as they have been in a really long time, whereas the Chiefs have been the same, right? Really, really good. And I think with this game, when it comes down to this matchup, is the Chiefs, I think we're going to look back and go, man, like the Chiefs really beat up the Cardinals, but the Cardinals aren't very good. Right. Whereas in week one, we look at the Cardinals and go like, oh, this was a playoff team last year. It's a team that won like 10, 11 games or whatever it was. And like we go, okay, like 
that's not the Jets. That's not the, you know, I hate to bring it up this early, but the Bears, for example, right? This is, but we talked about last week, like the Cardinals are kind of being rated like those teams. So we have to look at that win like a, you know, sort of a quote unquote, all they did was type of a win, right? Mm -hmm. All they did was beat the Cardinals in the same way that had they beaten the Jets or some other team, you know, really poorly rated. And so now you take that big, massive victory where the Cardinals didn't have anybody at corner to stop any of the Chiefs wide receivers. If we're going to take that game and now all of a sudden they got to go against that Chargers secondary, you mentioned the pass rush with Mack and Bosa. Like these are, there's just a lot of dudes on this Chargers defense that the Cardinals weren't going to bring to that, to the table this past week. Yeah. So if we're going to inflate the Chiefs based on what happened there, like I think that's kind of a mistake. Now, this inflation obviously makes it a little bit closer to where the point spreads were last year. But again, like we talked about, the, Ch the Chargers are just this better team than they were last season. They've got the defense, et cetera, et cetera. Problem is, Keenan Allen. Basically, you know, it seems like he's going to be uh, ruled out here for this game. And that's where this went from three to three and a half up to four. They're taking, a, you know, basically a point off of the point spread here for the Chargers because of that. Thing is, though, Justin Herbert doesn't care, man. He is <laughs> slinging it around to everybody he can find. He had he found 11 receivers on Sunday <laughs> against the Raiders. 11 different dudes caught passes for Justin Herbert. Nobody had more than four catches. He's yeah. spreading it around. And meanwhile, of course, you know, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, they're spreading it around too to everybody now as like the fundamental core of their offense that anybody can get the ball here. I mean, I think this game, I mean, should be pretty chaos, should be pretty out of control here. I, I like the pick with regards to the Chargers, go, you know, going up to four because we do see that the Chiefs are going to be out uh, one of their corners, their rookie cornerback. And that's going to matter too, right? Because mm -hmm. of the depth of the Chargers wide receiving core and the different options that they have. And so I might be looking to even go a little bit further and just go Chargers money line here because we're up to plus 170 okay, on the Chargers okay, money line, okay. right? Like only because like if the Chargers are going to, you know how the Chargers work. Like we don't have to get, I don't have to, you know, we can rerun my my speech about Brandon Staley from Who? last week. Who? Uh, go ahead and drink. Who but, is this guy? I'm not familiar with. with everybody's doing shots aggressively right now. Uh, <laughs> but this is a high variance, right? A polarizing team. They're going to go mm. for stuff. They're going to go for the win. They might lose by 21, but it's going to be because they're trying stuff in high leverage situations here. And once we're talking like over plus 150 on the money line, plus 170 here for a Chargers team, that is even without Keenan Allen. You know, they had DeAndre Carter's catching passes in there and they have... You know, Gerald Everett looks really, really good at tight end. And obviously Austin Eckler and all those. Other, and, you know, I think Mike Williams is going to have a pretty big game. So, like, I think the Chargers have just as reasonable a chance as the Chiefs do for winning this game. And, yeah, it's always a little bit scary because the Chiefs allegedly have this home field advantage. But it didn't really work out for them last year against the Chargers. And it didn't really work out for them against the Bengals in the playoffs last year. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I like your pick there. And if you want to get even a little bit loose, because I don't know that the points are going to matter. Either the Chiefs are going to win this by seven to 10 points yeah. or God, maybe by six points in overtime like we saw last year. I, I think you might as well just hit the Chargers here for plus 170 on the money line and sort of hope for uh, hope for some good fourth down luck, if you will, 
for Brandon Staley and company. You know, it doesn't take much to get me excited for a little money line sprinkle, and I like it. And one of the things I probably should have mentioned off the front end that is very important because I like to talk to the people, the common fan that might need a little more extra help, try to talk them into some things here. Do not overreact to week one. Right. That's a totally. big thing. That's the theme a of the week. Huge, huge, huge theme, right? Like as much as I want to fall in love and Patrick Mahomes is still my keeper league fantasy QB. So I love it. I'm here for it. And how um, is that MVP ticket right now, by the way, plus 900 going into week one, it's already, he's now the favorite, basically he and Josh Allen are the co-favorites around plus 500. So it took one week for everybody <laughs> to look around and go like, you know, we kind of underrated Patrick Mahomes. And it's like, yeah. We were on that last week, so that's a pretty nice ticket right now. You know who's pretty good? Patrick Mahomes, yes. No, um, you know who I'm still trying to figure out if they're pretty good or not is one Tua Tungavailoa. Did I do that all right? I thought that was pretty okay? good. Yeah. yeah, pretty close. We'll Three take it. In. We got it. Sure. <laughs> Dolphins, Ravens. Ravens at home is three and a half point favorites. I don't really like the extra half point, but as mentioned, I still don't really like Tua. Especially don't like Tua against this Ravens defense. Um, as much as I, I think the Dolphins are an improved team, I think they'll be a really good team. This is like a level up in class and weight mm-hmm. class. The Ravens are a very solid team. We've seen their work. This isn't even based on what happened against the Jets because it's the Jets. But yeah. I'm on the Ravens minus three and a half points. What say you, Mr. Russell? Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, I'd love if it was three, but, you know. Me too, me too. In a dream, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, maybe I'd wait to see if that does come down uh, to three in order to make uh, make that bet. Mm -hmm. A couple of different things here, right? So, first and foremost, it you know, when we go into the season and we're using, you know, the point spreads and whatnot to make our ratings, you know, because you only have the one matchup, right? You're sort of guessing in a in a not in a massive way, but in a small way, you're guessing with the Ravens, you're guessing with the Dolphins against their respective opponents. And then the line comes out. And for me, my original, you know, sort of rating here had the Ravens closer to like four, you know, even a little closer to maybe four and a half. And so I had to sort of play around with it and go, okay, like how do we get this line down to where it makes sense? Right. Almost sort of just retroactively tweaking some of the ratings. And I think a lot of it has to do with the health of the Ravens who were already going into last week, missing J.K. Dobbins, missing Ronnie Stanley defensively. And then, of course, they lost uh, a key defensive player whose name escapes me at the moment. But the point is, is like we can't push the Ravens in, you know, well into the 60s here as much as we kind of want to, given that we think, okay, with this, you know, augmented lineup, healthier guys, good draft, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw Marcus Williams take a, take an interception, you know, make an interception the other day. And, you know, he's obviously a new player to the team. It's like once the, when the season started, we're looking at this team going like, oh, man, like they have to be in like the 65, 66 range. But like they got to play themselves into that. Right. Once the season yeah. actually starts. And when you barely out yardage the Jets. Right. For all of the sort of big plays that the Ravens made that Lamar made because he's Lamar. Speaking of a quarterback, <laughs> that's pretty good. Like the yards per play weren't overly great when it comes to some disparity against the Jets, right? I mean, like just based on yards per play, they probably shouldn't have covered, you know, a six and a half, seven point spread in that game. And so I can't really boost the Ravens up because again, the health issue and it wasn't necessarily a dominant performance on a play by play basis, but then there's the dolphins and like, maybe I'm going to be slow to it, but like, 
I watched that game pretty significantly. It was the one game I got wrong for the Circa Millions contest. Went four and one, had a nice week, but was sitting there waiting for the Patriots to just kind of like backdoor it or hang in the game. And listen, I, the first thing I'll do is I will, you know, point to the interception of Mac Jones early on. That was a pretty blatant pass interference mm-hmm. on, you know, the gentleman covering, I believe it was Xavier Howard, uh, uh, Xavier Howard, but he pretty aggressively grabbed the jersey of Devontae Parker, right? And that created yeah. the interception. Of course, the Dolphins get the ball when they, you know, Patriots probably should have the ball on the one yard line. Obviously, it'd be nice if they could backside block for Mac Jones so he doesn't get absolutely blown out to sea uh, and fumble the ball directly in the hands of Melvin Ingram. Two of fumbles, Patriots don't get the ball, right? It's a, it's at the end of the day, wins and losses. And I'm using a loss as an example here. But like, man, these things could go either way in a lot of cases, especially against the point spread. Mm-hmm. The point is like the Patriots had every opportunity to get in that game, at least to get in there and cover the three and a half. Obviously a fourth down conversion at the end of the first half leads to a long touchdown. Like that's some college football type shit, to be honest with you, right? Like that's the type of thing that you don't expect from a well-coached Bill Belichick type team. And so like this stuff happens and you just go like, man, I'm not super sure like the Patriots are any good. And if that's the case, it kind of feels like the Dolphins should have won by a lot more yeah, in that definitely. game. And so now they go on the road and take on the Ravens. Now they had a really good defensive plan last year in that Thursday night game against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to get that upset. You'll remember it was something along the lines of like seven, seven and a half point um underdogs at home and they get that win last year so i mean obviously a coaching staff change too so you know hopefully uh, brian flores accidentally left that game plan behind so that somebody around the facility can grab it but i i just i don't love anything to do with this game because i don't really know what i saw with the dolphins yeah i don't really know what i saw with the ravens obviously for survivor purposes we were happy that they got a sweat-free win but it wasn't by any means this dominant performance that we would expect and as much as we sort of say don't fall in love with the chiefs because they beat up a what might be a pretty bad team in the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. The Ravens did on the scoreboard beat up on the jets, but it wasn't that performance either. So we're not going to over overreact to what they did as well. And much in the same light will be the next game we will talk about, which is the bucks and saints and the bucks beat up on a Cowboys team that, you know, I mean, <laughs> where do we even begin with ca- in Cowboy Land? We'll get there at some point for sure. But much like the Ravens, you look at the Bucks and hey, they took care of business. They come out, they get the win. Cool. But now they are three point favorites heading into New Orleans. And I don't understand why. So we'll just, mm. we'll talk about this. But since Brady has gone to Tampa, the Saints have won four times against him. Yeah. Especially in some biggie, some pretty key spots. I mean, it's just been a weird thing. I don't really understand what it is, but bottom line is it's always a very tough game, especially in New Orleans. So the Bucks are also beaten up. O-line troubles. We've seen that at the end of the Cowboys game last week. So I'm going to confidently be on the Saints plus the points in this game as a home dog. Jameis continues to just show that he'll he can do stuff. You know, it's a roller coaster ride, but it's a ride that I'm here for. Sure. And, you know, let's go. Give me the Saints at home, three-point dogs. They always play the Bucks tough, especially in this Tom Brady era. Let's go, Saints. 
Also, yeah. shouts to all those people that were that, the Saints fans that were in Atlanta last week yeah. marching through the Walmart. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> incredible. That is fandom. I love the NFL so much. Yeah, you got to hit the Walmart parade when you when you get a big uh, road win. I mean, listen, it's a, it's a people who like a good parade. I mean, usually it's Bourbon Street, but mm-hmm. you know what? If you want to go Walmart too, who am I to get in the way of that? Uh, I'm there. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like it's the defensive line against the offensive line. And that's the thing that's going to push the saints over here. Um, This line open two and a half got, and I just sat there going like, man, I really hope we can get three. And then it moved to three, but now we're starting to see it come back down a little bit. There's still some threes out there. In some cases you might have to pay minus 115 or even minus 120 over mm-hmm. at the score bet right now. It's minus 120. And that shows to me that once the limits, you know, are moving up here, the plus three is going to get hit. Certainly we weren't going to ever see plus three and a half as a home underdog for the saints. And, and it's for the reasons that you mentioned, right? Like the saints have owned the the bucks. And if it wasn't for a Jared cook fumble in the playoffs, we'd be talking probably about a five and a record in the Tom Brady era for the saints in these matches. So crazy. Even when James was injured, even when James was injured mid game, like they've just somehow managed to do it. And the thing is, like, no interceptions for Jameis last week, right? And, like, that is fundamentally the key. No turnovers at all. No fumbles either. And he's got weapons, man. Olave was chipping in, and that's a new guy. Obviously, Michael Thomas feels like a new guy. But when you (laughs) saw those two throws that they – two connections, essentially, you know, the chemistry between them in the red zone at the goal line, like, that's dangerous. And you've got Kamara, who didn't even get a touchdown. And, like, Taysom Hill is doing – like, you're getting just enough Taysom Hill. Like, mm-hmm. the exact right amount of Taysom Hill that, like, you would ever want in your life. Like, no more, no less. And, like, it, like it might be better that Sean Payton's not around to just be like, Taysom, more Taysom. <laughs> it's just like, no, man, how about we just run, like, a decent offense, given that we've got Jarvis Landry, who's all of a sudden, like, is this guy fantasy relevant now where it's like 120 yards and touchdowns and he's obviously caught the biggest play of the game. And now you can look at that game and be like, listen, the Falcons like should have beaten them was a 16 point lead and all of that sort of thing. I'm not sure the saints were even ready or even cared about that game going into it, going like, Oh man, we're just going to take care of the Falcons. Cause we always do like, it's not going to be that big of a deal, but like they also had, an entire new Falcons team to sort of deal with as far as like the offense is concerned. The Falcons are now this like run first. We're coming at you with, you know, like a regular running back. Then we're coming at you with like a wide receiver slash running back. And then we're going to come at you with a quarterback slash running back. And like, we might throw and complete a few passes along the way here, but like, we're basically, you know, the army or the Naval academies or air force type offense in college football. And like, if you're not ready for that, that's going to look weird, man. Yeah. That's going to, you know, like that's going to be a weird scene for you. You're not getting that with Tom. We know what Tom is going to bring to the table and the Saints have the game plan for it and they have the defensive line particularly the interior defensive line to be able to handle that. And so, you know, I'm I was a little bit nervous when it went to 3. It's like you almost don't want to get what you want, right? If this had just stayed at two and a half all week, I almost would have felt a little bit better about it, but now we're starting to see it creep back towards two and a half. And like you know, pretty basic stuff here. As the week goes on, the limits move up at sportsbook, sportsbooks, which means the bigger betters, the, you know, different groups, et cetera, et cetera, they weigh in. And so those moves around Thursday, those are the ones that mean something, right? The ones that happen on Sunday night don't necessarily always mean anything. Sometimes it's just playing a number. And I could see somebody going minus two and a half for the bucks. Let's just grab that right now. 
and then we'll come back on it when it gets to plus three. And that might be the situation here, right? Because if you're sitting with a minus two and a half ticket and a plus three ticket, you win on plus three and a half, which yeah. isn't a bet that's actually going to exist in, in sort of you know a one bet type yeah. of situation. Yeah, so yeah. Um, grab your plus three while you can here and take your chances with the Saints. Uh, by the way, this is the time I wrote about this for the score. Um, you know, every week we're going to take a look at the futures markets. I don't know what's going to pop up. It always gives me a little bit of nerves going, all right, what are we going to bet here? What's where they're, where they're going to be good, good prices. But we talked about before the season started the saints for the division. I just wanted Ooh. to see what the offense looked like before I made a play on them at plus 300 or longer. And because I looked at that offense, I saw all three of those receivers going. I saw what they were doing with Taysom Hill. And by the way, like Ingram as well as Kamara, yeah. like you know, those two guys sort of have juice with each other mm -hmm. and don't mind splitting the carries in the traditional way. Like there's a lot of different ways that this Saints team can be good this season. So I grab plus 300 with the Saints uh, for the division before this game on the hopes that the Saints get this W. I like it. I like it a lot. Let's go Saints. Um, our next game is the Cardinals at the Raiders. Uh, biggest lesson, again, do not overreact to what happened in week one. The cards did not look good in week one at all. They were run off the field, right? Like it was a Total. track meet that they did not show up for. The race started and whoever the new guy is wearing Tyreek Hill's number <laughs> like, caught me off guard for a split second. I was right. like, that guy was like already on the third leg about to hand it off to the last guy. Yeah. And Kyler Murray was just starting his race. Yeah. Game was over quick. Yeah. I don't think the cards are going to be good this season and I'm not overreacting to last year or last week. So I'm still kind of just staying with that mindset. The Raiders offense now interesting game last week. Clearly we knew Derek Carr and Devonte Adams were boys well, was it 17 receptions or targets that he had? Targets, like yeah. Just 17 targets. Leap loaded targets, yeah. That's a lot. But as they continue to figure this out, the point is the Raiders offense is something to be messed with. You cannot, you cannot like just go up and take that team lightly. My thing here heading into this, I don't like taking this many points. I don't like laying this many points at home, mm -hmm. but it's under a touchdown and it's more so like I just it's just where I have both these teams rated. I don't have the scientific formula as you do. This is more simply, <laughs> I think the Raiders are pretty good and I think the Cardinals are pretty bad. Six points is a lot. I don't really like it, but I'm going to lay the six points and take the Raiders here. Yeah, we talked about, so this is actually like a fun little ride here for this point spread. We talked about this last week with regards to the Cardinals and we're like, okay, like based on this point spread, how it got out of control, where it was sitting at three all summer and then got up to six and a half against the Chiefs. It's like, it's not because the Chiefs rating went any higher. It's because the Cardinals rating has plummeted. And part of that was injury related. And part of that is obviously suspension related. And then just the idea that like this Cardinals team might've had a pretty fraudulent year last year, which is what we tried to tell everybody basically throughout the entire season. And yep. so, you know, as you sort of <laughs> massage it around and you go, okay, like what's the highest we can get here with the Cardinals? And the answer to that is like in the low forties, basically. And so we talked last week about, okay, if the Cardinals are this terrible, as the rating sort of uh, suggests, first of all, you got to grab the under eight and a half on their win total, right? Because eight mm -hmm. and a half assumes an average team. And I don't think the Cardinals are that. Meanwhile, you could go ahead and grab and make a bet for week two before week one even started, right? And a lot of times you want to see what happens in week one before you make a bet on week two. 
But the importance of sort of following the lines here and understanding what the lines mean and what we mean when we talk about ratings, right? You don't have to have your own formula, if you will. But as long as you know from listening to this podcast, for example, that mm -hmm. the Cardinals are being rated in the high 30s or the low 40s, depending on where you have the Chiefs, then you know that the next week when they go to Vegas, it's probably going to be a lot higher than where the line was at minus three before week one, the week two line was minus three. Yeah. So of course I went skipping on in there with my under eight and a half ticket on the, on the Cardinals and the Raiders minus three. Now, all of that is to say that line is long gone. And I hate <laughs> doing the thing where you go like, well, I've got this number and I'm really no. like ready to ride. Yeah. yeah. But of course we have to look at the adjustment and is this an over adjustment? And like, I think we went too far when it came to the six here. Right. And I think we're seeing again, Similar, similar deals, what we just talked about with the Saints and Bucks. We're seeing this number creep back down towards five and a half. Now, that might be people trying to grab the middle, which is something that I'm probably going to try to do here. <laughs> but like, I also kind of think it's just too many at this point because, as much as the Cardinals like don't look very good, you know, again, we make or we could make an assumption that the Cardinals are terrible and not to overreact to the Chiefs, but like. Maybe it's just a bad game because we yeah. don't want to overreact to one game. And so, of course, we know there was a guy out from a cooking injury, like for the Cardinals <laughs> and like all of this kind of crazy stuff. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, now you're getting six points on the road. You were getting six points at home. But like, what did we see from the Raiders necessarily that was like all that exciting last week against the Chargers? So is this a team that should be six point favorites against a Cardinals team that you know, week two, one of the things you want to do in week two is you want to find the teams that played really badly, but at least has have capabilities to bounce back or like, yeah. oh, they just couldn't do this. And if in this case, the, the couldn't do is they couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm willing to give him a pass on that because <laughs> I think Patrick Mahomes is pretty good, right? And Derek Carr mm -hmm. is pretty good as well. And so like, maybe it's just a sort of consistently bad thing. But yeah. that's not really how the NFL works, right? It's teams you're going up and down and up and down. And so mm -hmm. hopefully people out there have checked out my column. It's, you know, I, every Tuesday, basically, uh, I write about the ratings. They are the ratings that the odds makers are using, or at least a quote unquote best guess on the odds makers ratings for how they're rating these teams based on the closing line. And then my range of how these teams could play. And the, under, and the sort of underlying point is these teams have right now one week into the season really high highs potentially and really low lows now 15 <laughs> weeks into the season we're going to tighten those ratings right up and it'll be like a oh this team's a 65 to 75 depending on what what day they show up but as of week two cardinals could be a 35 but i'm not ready to rule out the cardinals playing like a 50 or a 55 which by the way you know you talked about you know rating the raiders like right now i have the raiders at 55 and so does the marketplace basically mm -hmm. with being three and a half point road favorites last week to the chargers so you know you could watch that game and you could rate the raiders a little bit higher than that i mean i would find it sort of hard to believe i think 55 is a pretty good rating going into last week i think that's accurate i would use that again and so now it's just a matter of how bad do you think the cardinals are and there's a possibility that they're just not this bad here. So at plus six, that's definitely where I'm leaning. But again, I've got a minus three in my pocket, and it's just mm -hmm. a matter of trying to thread a needle there and make that bet even a little bit more valuable. Because if we land three, 
then I'm a winner, right? It's sort of a synthetic minus two and a half. If I go over the top, we talk about some of the lingo, right? Over the top yep. means I bet more on Arizona plus six than I did on Las Vegas minus three. That means I win on plus six and a half, right? Because if it's a push, I still win that other bet and push that that uh, main bet. So either way, we're probably going to try to do something here with that. But it's because I think we've gone too far with this line pushing all the way through three up to six. And we may see some buyback here on the Cardinals. Yeah, lots going on here. I'm on the Raiders, but as you can tell, I'm hesitating. I'm on the Raiders, don't really like it. But hey, that's what happens when they're trying to pick every single game here. Next game up, we got the Patriots. One and a half point road favorites in Pittsburgh. Very confused. But again, yeah. not trying to overreact here too much. So Pat struggled, but... So did the Steelers offense, right? The Steelers offense was okay, but really it was their defense last week that did a lot of the damage in terms of, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the reason they won against five turnovers. Yeah. Absolutely. All the kicker shenanigans, which I mean, yeah, I don't even know where to begin with the kickers. Like I've, I've been done with kickers for like five <laughs> years, so I don't even want to talk about that. No doubt. Bottom line though, Steelers D really good. They put in work against a Bengals offense that, we know is going to be one of the better offenses in the league. No TJ Watt. He will be out this week. He might be out for a while. It sounds like. So that will lessen, you know, take a little bit of oomph out of the, the Steelers defense, but they're still a beast regardless of TJ Watt or not TJ Watt. And either way, I don't know if Mac Jones in this Pat's offense is the team that's going to, you know, expose a TJ Watt less Pittsburgh right. Steelers defense. So give me the Steelers as slight home underdogs. It's one and a half points, but if you're giving me any points, I'm going to take it here. Yeah. I think the big takeaway was not that the Patriots bad, good, whatever, like you know, Belichick is like, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing anymore or anything like that. It was really just like the offense, man, is just going to be a struggle this year. Like I can't imagine it just being explosive all yeah. of a sudden and certainly not in this game, but this is fundamental stuff here. We're talking a plus one and a half. You know what that means? Let's get on Money the teaser line. train. Let's bump this thing. No, we're going we're going oh. teaser leg. We're That's bumping right. this thing up to seven and a half. Patriots by eight. Like, what has to happen for the Patriots to win this game by eight points by margin? <laughs> like, that just doesn't <laughs> seem all that likely, right? To just go yeah. on the road and win this game by eight. Like, maybe this creeps up a half point. So that we literally have, you know, don't have to worry about the even eight. We can push on that. Mm -hmm. So let's wait and see if we can get anywhere between now and Sunday. The uh, the extra half point here to go up to plus eight with the teaser. I mean, you got a super short total here. I think it's like forty, you know, something along those lines. Points yeah. at a premium. Again, Trubisky not exactly lighting it up last week was just good enough to get by, which honestly is basically his entire career and what we talked about going into that game with why we like the Steelers, why we thought the Steelers could win on the money line. They were in the old round robin underdog money line parlay that was electric last week. Oof. Same kind of deal, man. I just don't I think either one of these teams is going to score a ton unless the defenses get crazy. But honestly, at this point, I got to take my chances there. I make this spread like a half point for the Patriots. So again, there's not a ton of value going either way here. Let's use the teaser leg and jump this thing up to plus seven and a half, maybe plus eight if we can get to two uh, on the spread. 
All right. All right. Uh, keep things going here. Teams that struggled last week. We mentioned earlier on the Dallas Cowboys. Boy, did they struggle. Ooh. And I mean, it might have been even worse than anticipated going into that game. No Dak. I'm assuming it's the Cooper Rush era. That's where we're at here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, something of something of an era. <laughs> <laughs> Bengals are seven and a half point road favorites. And I know that that's a lot of points. And one of the things we talked about last year, one of the things I learned is always figuring out who is this backup quarterback that is coming in. Cooper Rush, we've seen him before, right? So we have some Cooper Rush tape. Yeah. <laughs> but to yeah. me, this is a bad first game because the Bengals are not going to be too happy with their loss last week to the Steelers. And you sure. might just be running into a team that is just going to, you know, they're going to take no pity on you and they're just going to try to beat you down and right. make up for the fact that they threw the game away multiple times last week against the Steelers. Um, you get the whole Joe Burrow sat in his locker all sad, didn't take yeah. off his uniform. No all cigars that for Joe all that stuff. Give me the Bengals minus seven and a half points. I don't really like it, but I mean, Cooper rush and the Cowboys to not get blown out. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a thing that I see is going to happen. They will get blown out. Give me the Bengals. It's funny. Cause you have this, like it's, we got a snowball effect situation with the line move here, right? Because you had this line was two and a half. And again, I'll hop in here as the absolute you know, a hole here who can say when I watched Dak Prescott play in that Cowboys offense, I immediately went on and I found a, a plus two and a half for the Bengals in this game <laughs> on Sunday. Right. And if, and I'm not saying that to say like, it's not going to count on the record or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's yeah. just a personal play that you have to make. It's really just instructive of like, when you see stuff like this happen mm -hmm. and again, before he even got injured, when you see just the complete incompetence from the offensive line the complete incompetence from the wide receivers, like Dak was putting it on some of those guys. Right. Yeah. And they just couldn't catch it. Even Cooper rush was putting it on some of those guys at the end of that game. As I was <laughs> clinging to the thought that maybe they'd score a touchdown, get a two point conversion and backdoor the teaser leg. Thanks for nothing. Dallas. <laughs> um, but you're just watching this going like, okay, like I get it. The Buccaneers defense is really good. And we can talk about that, you know, some other day, but like we were already headed for a downgrade on the Cowboys. If nothing happened to Dak, yeah. right? Because that line with the, with the Bucks, you know, minus two and a half. Mm -hmm. And then of course, obviously them being two and a half point favorites sort of in the look ahead, like that line was suggesting like a mid to high fifties. We talked about this last week with regards to their rating. Well, again, if that game just gets, you know, stopped at the end of the third quarter, like a prize fight and Dak doesn't get hurt, I'm moving Dallas down my ratings, like probably down to like 50 and like wouldn't be against going below 50. Yeah. But now you're subbing Dak, who would, who would arguably be like the only thing that the Cowboys had going for them. And you're subbing him out for Cooper Rush. Now, a lot of people sitting around going like, is Cooper Rush that worse? You know, that much worse than Dak? <laughs> And the answer is like, man, tough times for Dak. If like that's the conversation <laughs> right? that can't, that we can't be there man. that we're no, looking to have. I'm not going to have that conversation. No, no, no. Come on. Man. But you know, in a way it's kind of true because he doesn't have the mobility <laughs> of some of these other guys to like make a play, right? Like a yeah. Justin Fields, like willing that play uh, to Dante Pettis last week to get you them. You really back have to go the there game. already, man. Sorry. Forgot we didn't have to go there already. Didn't really forget about it. Just had to mention Jeez. it one more time. Um, 
but you know the point is like yeah i mean dak is still kind of just right now a pocket passer in the same way that cooper rush is going to be a pocket passer in the same way that a lot of guys that we don't necessarily love all that much are pocket passers and it can look really good when you have all of your skill position players and the amari coopers and the you know a prime ezekiel elliott from a few years ago but like honestly hasn't really been that great over the last few years. I mean, they scored a lot of points last year, but they, the defense did a lot last year to help them out. Now, if the defense wants to turn the ball over five times for them, the way that the Steelers were able to do on Joe Burrow, like, yeah, yeah now we've got ourselves an opportunity here. And Micah Parsons could be that guy. And so when I look at this line, go down to seven, once the snowball effect happened here, where it was like, okay, we're already moving this off two and a half. That's a good deal. And then, oh, wait, Dak's out. Now we're headed down to seven. And now we've had that extra little kick down the mountain here to seven and a half with people coming in on the Bengals at minus seven. Like, I think we've gone too far again, right? Like, I'm looking at this again. I can't upgrade the Bengals. If I sat here and told you, like, yep, upgrading the Bengals after that performance against the Steelers, you'd be like, what are you, insane? I can't do that. So like they're at best staying where they were as far as their rating is concerned in the low 60s. As we talked about the same rating that we had for them all throughout the playoffs last year. The reason that they were three and a half point underdogs in the Super Bowl. The reason that they were what seven and a half I think it was on the road to Kansas City. The rating hasn't changed because there's a vulnerability to these Bengals. So that number has to stay the same or go lower. But let's just give them benefit of the doubt here and just keep that the same. How low can we go with the Cowboys? Because right now, if we keep the Bengals the same and we try to get to seven, this is not even seven and a half yet. We try to get to seven. I got Cowboys 30 right now as the actual worst team in the NFL (laughs) based on this point spread. So if this point is, if this point spread stays where it is, when my ratings come out next Tuesday, the Cowboys are going to likely be dead last or very close to it. Now, is that fair? And that's the question you have to ask yourself, right? When we talk about these games, whether it was week one or week two, we talk about assumptions. And if we're just assuming that the Cowboys are dead last in the league because Dak Prescott isn't around anymore, man, I can't really agree with that just yet. I need to see that first. Mm -hmm. And so plus seven and a half is too many for me for a Bengals team on the road that can be victimized with a deep by a defense only type team. So if the Cowboys can do that, keep this game in the muck, maybe turn the ball, you know, turn Burrow over a little bit, which after five turnovers certainly seems like a reasonable expectation. Yep. Seven and a half is too many. And like, it's disgusting. It's grotesque. But like we saw Cooper Rush at least go on the road and get a W last year against the Vikings. So it comes down to like, what have we seen? Like we can make fun of Cooper Rush because kind of a funny name. And like, he kind of looks like a funny dude. But like, and Dak Prescott is like, you know, honestly the cool guy in all of this. And like, oh, it's all, it's all disappointing when he gets hurt. And like, oh man, the Cowboys are screwed now. It's like, well, maybe the Cowboys were always screwed. Correct. Maybe they were always like a 45 or a 40 or something along those lines. I have to see it. And all I've seen from Cooper Rush is like serviceability, right? We're not going to blame him for Ben DiNucci. We're not going to blame him for the Andy Dalton era, right? In when last time that Dak got hurt, all we can do is like, yeah, Cooper Rush came in. He actually played pretty well in that, in that one game that he, you know, had to play last year. So like, yeah. I got to go back on the go back the other way on this one and take the Cowboys plus seven and a half. Now I'm getting more than seven. Listen, I'll dare them to be the worst team in the league. And if they are, we'll come back here next, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and just be like, yep, 
Dallas is atrocious and yeah. like move on with our lives. But like, honestly, if the Bengals really just wanted to try harder to win games, they would have tried pretty hard against the Pittsburgh Steelers and they would have won that game, but they couldn't do it even given their sort of best efforts. And yeah. I'm not sure that they can cover seven and a half here, even with their best effort. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I'm interested about our next team's best effort. Speaking of the Jags, who will be at home as four point underdogs to the yeah. Colts. And I'm not sure if the Colts as should be road favorites by more than a field goal against anyone. Like that mm. seems like a lot of points to me, yeah. but I'm going to, I'm going to need you to talk me off of this because I'm tired of taking the Jags. Okay. Sure. I'm tired of yeah. me taking the Jags thinking, Hey, they're okay. They're spicy. They can do this. They can do that. And you tried to talk me out of it last week. <laughs> I was just going to say you did. And yeah. I didn't listen against the commanders, right? Yeah. I didn't listen. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear what you think about this game because the Jags is road dogs. I get it. Home dogs. But because both of these sides suck and I just can't sit there again and watch the Jags, I'm leaning Colts minus four and I don't like it. Um, you know, yeah, it's hard to like it, (laughs) but honestly, the more I watch college football and the more I watch NFL and I've been doing this for 30 years, betting on, you know, watching these games for 30 years and betting on them for 20 years and like, and maybe it takes two decades for somebody as dumb as me to sort of figure this stuff out. But like, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Like the Colts are just always going to lose or effectively (laughs) lose in week one. Like all these teams are just going to kind of do this. Like, it's just... You know, you can kind of set your watch by some of these teams, right? Like Nebraska football under Scott Frost is just never going to get it figured out. Like just mm-hmm. all of this stuff is just over and over and over and over and over again. So the weird thing is, though, I'm going to give them a pass for week one. Because if that's just what they always do, then that means they always sort of bounce back and eventually have like kind of a decent season. And like, yeah, we obviously have some bad memories from the Colts playing the Jags last game of last season, first game of two seasons ago, et cetera, et cetera. So to sit here and be like, yep, love the Colts, got to get into it. From a market standpoint, right, using the ratings going into last week, it shouldn't come that much of a surprise to you that there's some value here on the Colts. Because the Colts, it's you know actually really simple. The Colts are seven-point favorites at Houston last week. Well, how much better are the Jags than Houston? Like, not that much, right? Are but they like, even better? <laughs> you don't know right. Like, are they even better? And so, like, <laughs> yeah. to me, they should maybe be like one point difference, right? This probably should be closer to six. So whether you have like, you know, you, you joke about like the mathematical formula or whatever, whether you have the mathematical formula that's going to spit out 6.3, which is, you know, theoretically what the spread should be, even if you make some adjustments and you're kind of like, okay, I think this should be this and this should be that, and it comes out to like four, like that's really downgrading the Colts from where we thought they were just like a week ago. And that's given the Jags kind of a pretty big bump. Now I watched that Jags uh, commanders game pretty intently because I had the commanders in circa millions last, last week. Mm -hmm. And so I was sweating that out and God, I didn't, you know, love the Carson Wentz experience. I was, you know, two quarters in, or maybe as big as three quarters into the season. I was always, I already like, I can't believe I'm (laughs) doing this Carson Wentz thing. But the point is, is like Trevor Lawrence might be Carson Wentz, man. Like he might be (laughs) Wentz. He might be some of these other dudes who we just get frustrated by every single week because like that's where you had to be with that team. And so like, yeah, I do. I'm going to be on the Colts minus four here. Like this 
they were in the red zone and in scoring position so much against the Texans, and they just kind of screwed it up, yeah. which to me makes that game more of a fluke than I think even somebody who is high on the Texans, who has the Texans actually rated higher than the Jaguars, or at least like higher than expectation between those mm. two teams, right? If those two teams played tomorrow, I would be betting on the Texans knowing what line we would, pro we would probably get. And so, yeah, like, I just think like, there's enough weapons here. I saw, you know, I liked what I saw at a Pittman, right? A guy who I have sort of long shot to win, uh, to have the most receiving yards in the league. That doesn't seem that likely as Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson just like look awesome still again. But like Pittman was right there with regards to getting a ton of yardage. And then obviously Jonathan Taylor, just 30 carries, 100 billion yards. And like, it's just looks nasty. So like, you know, I think the defense is going to be a lot better. I'm hoping Shaq Leonard is back for this yeah. game and like that's going to make a big difference and Huge. honestly how many points are we actually giving the jags here for home field advantage right like it just doesn't seem like there should be a ton given the jags here for me personally i think i have them at one yeah i have them at one point home field advantage here so yeah i mean god help the colts if they don't get a win in either of these two games given the expectations that we thought the colts had and if you want to get into that whole revenge motivation type thing this is a team that should have this game scheduled and circled and whatever all all summer long. And you almost give them a pass for kind of not being that sharp, especially in the red zone against the Texans last week. Yes, 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 yes. Let's go Colts. Let's see how that goes for us in week two. Speaking of week two, though, a big change this week is there are a lot of 10-point spreads on the board yeah. here. So I want to bunch these up and kind of yeah. what I want you to do, because here's my thing, okay? I don't like laying 10 points under oh. most circumstances. I don't. One thing we did a really good job of last year is you would talk me into, do you know what? Is it really that far fetched that this team would get blown out? <laughs> and a lot of times I'd be like, no, and switch my bet. Right. So I'm going to rifle through these, each of these games. And I'm just simply, we don't even need to get deep into it. Just too many points. Falcons at the Rams. I understand that the Rams not going to overreact to what happened last week, but the Rams obviously have the extra days of preparation, all that fun stuff. I just don't think the Falcons are that bad. So can I take them with the 10 points? Is that too many points? I want to lay, or sorry, I want to take the points and have mm -hmm. the Falcons plus 10 in this game. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think I'll be doing the same thing there. I, I haven't made a bet on this game yet. I was hoping that we could get to like my ratings come out based again on the point spreads from last yeah, week. Yeah. These point spreads, by the way, had the Rams within two and a half points of the Bills, right? And if mm -hmm. you can say like that was wrong, there should be an adjustment, you know, like da 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 da. I'd make the case, listen, tie game at halftime, one score yeah, game yeah, through three yeah. quarters. Maybe the Rams aren't as bad as we necessarily think, and all that sort of thing. So I have this number at eleven. So okay. in theory, I should be betting the Rams. But like with my eyeballs, I'm looking at both teams and I'm just going like, what am I supposed to be afraid of from the Rams offensively outside of Cooper Cup, right? Because like until Allen Robinson shows us something, like we can blame the quarterbacks that he's had to play with for his entire career. And honestly, early on in his career, that was probably a fair assessment. But like, he might, I don't want to use the washed word, but like, what if Allen Robinson's just washed and he's just out there because they already kind of bought, right? Yeah. They already had, they already bought it. They already brought it home. They already, they, now they have to use it, right? But like you watch some of the routes, he's just kind of not doing anything out mm -hmm. there. 
And they don't have the third wide receiver that that team in the past had when it was, you know, Woods and Cooks were on the team. And like, you know, you had three guys you had to worry about Odell Beckham last year. And then Van Jefferson was out in that first game. And like just the idea that I'm bringing up Van Jefferson as this guy that like you everything you need to have on the team to be afraid of them. Like that seems insane. Right. Everybody's like beating up Cam Akers because like they took him in fantasy. And like, guess what? Like Cam Akers might not be very good. And honestly, the guy had Achilles you know replacement surgery right like yeah. i wouldn't even blame him if he's not that good exactly. and so the running game which wasn't good in the playoffs last year okay like i'm not afraid of that the way that i used to be when todd Gurley was in his prime and that and that run game was going the way that it was going and like matthew stafford like has a great season last year but by the way led the league in interceptions like wins the super bowl so we all forget about the matt stafford detroit lions edition where like nobody really wanted anything to do with Matt Stafford from like covering large point spreads not that he had a ton of opportunity to do so so like what is the difference between that Lions team with Megatron and this Rams team with Cooper Cup it's just like Matt Stafford has a really awesome receiver or at least a plan for that really awesome receiver and then kind of nothing else yeah and so we're just supposed to lay points against a Falcons team that like let's throw a little term moxie this team just might have moxie like it's just a team that's like yeah we're gonna run man we're gonna run over and over and over now the problem is aaron donald is going to be a little bit different but like the saints have a good defensive line too and the and the falcons were able to run on them as well and so like would you be shocked if the falcons just won the game outright i wouldn't because then we would be like yeah man like this rams this edition of the rams like whether you want to call it like you know yeah complacent after winning the super bowl or just not having the dudes i mean aaron donald almost retired last year right like maybe it's just not that team and maybe the falcons are at least okay and catching teams by surprise by what they do so like wouldn't be shocked at all if the falcons won this game outright and if that's the case I can't be just handing out 10 points with the Rams here. So yeah, using my eyeballs, I think it's Falcons plus 10. I'll wait because if if the ratings from last week suggest that this should be 11, more often than not, that's where the line ends up. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So the next one up is the Seattle Seahawks at my San Francisco 49ers. And yes, you can see it already says, I'm on the Seahawks plus 10. And that's not overreacting. It's not that Gino, you know, we know that last week we had talked about, I don't believe in Russ, the whole whatever Russell Wilson thing is. Don't right. care. Not here for it. All that fun stuff. Apparently right. neither was a head coach, <laughs> which yeah, story for another day. Sure. But was Niners team. I think they bounce back. I think they win, but 10 points. I just can't take the 10 points. I just can't do it. So give me yeah. the points and the Seahawks here. At 10, you, you can start kind of talking me into the Seahawks here, but I think you have to sort of realize... So you don't like what, it as much. Oh, well, okay. you have to sort of understand, like, why it is 10, right? And mm-hmm. and it was available for at 8 yeah. last week, or literally yesterday. And mm-hmm. I grabbed the, C, uh, excuse me, the 49ers yeah. minus 8 yesterday. No, feeling like that's not good. We're not going to get any better than that. A couple of different reasons. Reason number one, okay, as much as we joked about the, and I've dropped the 49ers loss to the Bears, like, are we really putting that much into that game as far as, like, the conditions and Trey Lance's first game? We talked about how, like, I'm not loving anything to do with Trey Lance in his first game. Then you throw out a weather report and a weather situation like we had, like, as you would say, miss me with all of that. Like, I'm just not, I didn't, wasn't involved in any way, shape, or form in that game against the spread. By the way, right, if we're going to, if it's going to be such a big deal that George Kittle is out in week one, 
it's got to be a big deal that he's back, assuming that's the case in week two. And so this line moving from minus eight to minus 10 is for two reasons. Not because like people were just piling in on 49ers minus eight, minus eight and a half, but it probably means a pretty good report out of 49ers camp about Kittle playing because he matters to the point spread. Mm -hmm. And it also is teaser protection, right? At minus eight, minus eight and a half, you can get the 49ers down underneath a field goal to minus two and a half. But once you get it to nine and a half or 10, now you're teasing something down and you're not getting that key number of three, right? So yeah, it might be a little bit inflated. Right now over at the score bet, you can get the 49ers minus nine and a half as of Wednesday afternoon. Okay. So like I would still make that bet at minus nine and a half. I understand why you like the Seahawks. We already saw that. Again, circumstantial, right? In the same way that I'm not doing anything with regards to that Bears 49ers game, I'm not really doing anything with that Seahawks Broncos game. That was their Super Bowl. I wrote about this on Monday. Like, this is the best effort you're going to get out of the Seahawks. I thought it could only last one half. That's why we were on the Seahawks on in the first half. But now you're going to ask them on a short week, not a ton of travel necessarily, to go down to San Francisco, not even that great of a home field advantage, to go against a 49ers team that, you know, as you've referenced with the Bengals, you were happy to lay seven and a half on the road to the Bengals coming off, you know, under the sort of angry concept. How are the 49ers not mega angry after just letting that game get away? Now you got a division game. Yeah, it's the Seahawks. But if you lose to the Seahawks, right, you're 0-2 to their 2-0 and and they're 1-0 in the division, right? Like there's enough DNA of the hatred between the Seahawks and the 49ers that they are going to be locked in for this game. So I don't know how the Seahawks like, you know, keep this thing going. And I don't think 17 points is going to get it done against the 49ers. And I don't think they're going to get 17 points against the 49ers. So we could be headed here for a 24 to 10, 35 to 14 type of game here for the 49ers. I think they hammer the Seahawks this week. And I think the fairy dust on your man's Gino, who what's the line, right? They tried to write me off, but I wasn't done writing. I didn't or write them like back that. or something. Yeah. yeah they I tried to write me with... off, but I didn't write them back or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. If you might notice though, there's a key change here uh -oh. because you have convinced me. And You've of course it. it wouldn't take, it wouldn't take a lot to convince me to take my own Niners in a yeah, blowout here. Enough. Let's go switching the pick. Niners minus 10. Okay, cool. I, this is how I, I play these double-digit spreads. I need you to talk me out of taking the points, right? Yeah, I mean, there's an element, too, of, like, San Francisco didn't get to showcase what Trey Lance exactly. could do, right? Exactly. And so it looked a lot worse. And obviously, Justin Fields made a couple of plays there to get the Bears the win that were probably not all that replicable. Uh, speaking of making plays, your man's Russell... Wilson did not get to make said plays on yeah. Monday night. And now they are 10 point favorites against the Texans. You know, I love taking the Texans first off yeah. <laughs> as underdogs. And I totally. definitely love taking the Texans as double digit underdogs. I need you to talk me out of this because it's almost an automatic bet for me over the last two years of taking the Texans when they're double digit underdogs. Yeah. I'm never going to talk you out of this. That's the absolute it Halfway through Seattle Denver, I'm like, this game is a really kind of a bummer if you're if you thought the Denver Broncos were going to be like really, really good. And again, we're not trying not to overreact to anything, but I listen, I was probably gonna be on Houston plus 10, even if the Broncos looked spectacular in Seattle. And so I just moseyed on over to you know my local sports book and just took the Texans plus 10. And I was like, you know what? If this goes to 10 and a half or eleven, it's not the end of the world. If it goes to nine and a half, I would be bummed out. 
for not having 10. So sure enough, opens right back up at 10. So no harm, no foul there. So this is one of the rare ones that I bet, you know, early on in the week that ended up being the same price. Again, maybe the Broncos play a really great game. Again, tough turnaround from that Monday night game to go home. Again, we think the Texans are a little bit better than everybody sort of thinks here. The market price, again, from the point spreads from last week. Again, these are point spreads that had the Broncos six and a half point road favorites, that had the Texans plus seven as home underdogs, right? In both cases, you know, one team was, or in each case, one team was overvalued, one team was undervalued. So if we're taking those same ratings, it comes out to 11. But if we watch those two games and we have to move the Texans up a little bit and we have to knock the Broncos down a little bit, this is something that comes down under 10. And, you know, again, nothing crazy necessarily. Something closer to, you know, eight, eight and a half is probably the point spread where it should be. We'll see if that's where it goes. But again, these things tend to stay pretty static when it comes to these point spreads week to week. Yes. And because, you know, I'm going to jump ahead here because the Sunday nighter also involves a double digit spread and it kind of just seems to be a theme here. So I want to keep rocking out with trying to get you to convince me to not take the double digits. And we got the Bears at the Packers. Packers at home, four point favorite Sunday night football. We've seen this story before. Aaron Rodgers is heavy favorites against the Bears. We've seen it time in, time out. And especially in these instances where the Packers might need a bounce back. We've also seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. I there's think not, there's I think not much said, I'm going to take from the bears, but I want to take the, I want to take the bears plus the points. Yeah. I think you said, I think you said four point favorites. Maybe I misheard you, but of course, yeah, no. I mean, 10 point 10 favorites, point favorites. Uh, 10 point four, favorites is what I meant. For the if Packers. I misspoke, my bad double digit spreads, what we've just been talking about. Yeah. And bears. listen, maybe you're looking to tease it down, man. Maybe you're looking to get that <laughs> minus four for, for the Packers on the, on the tease. Uh, listen, man, like, I don't love anything to do with these games. Like, this is no. every time these two play, it's like, talk yourself into the Bears being able to hang in, and then you're sitting there in the third quarter, and it's 35 to, you know, 14, <laughs> and you're like, maybe the Bears can get through the back door here with a couple late touchdowns, like how locked in is Rodgers, you know, da-da-da-da-da. I would be more looking at a first-half bet here on the Packers. Okay. Right, because you know we're looking at minus six and a half in the first half for the Packers. Certainly, Bears didn't look great in the first half against the 49ers last week. Again, if you're getting focused Packers, you're you know if if you're going to lay the ten with the Packers, you're assuming that it's not going to be sort of a oh they're going to you know pull away late. It's they're going to be locked in, right? And again, part of this is a health thing. They need their offensive tackles back. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a big deal, especially against the Bears, even this iteration of the Bears. I'm just way more into the first half minus six and a half on Sunday night here uh, with the Packers. I don't really want to mess with any sort of backdoor potential. And I think, you know, on the flip side, right, the Bears got their win. And that might be a fat and happy type situation where, oh, like we actually got a win here. Like, okay, maybe they're not super ready to go for this road game uh, against Green Bay. And again, like just from a talent perspective, right? Even though guys were dropping passes for Aaron Rodgers, we can't rely on that happening every single week. So yeah, give me the Packers minus six and a half in the first half, steer clear of this game. And if you, again, you want to go Bears plus 10, hope for that back door. I'll be honest with you. I've done it a billion times, man. And it's a wild ride. So best (laughs) of luck. It is definitely a wild ride. And this is a, a thing where I love that already in week two, I, I normally would need the reminders, 
you know, but it's like, sure. no, no, no. I remember being this in, in this exact situation before, right. and I'm going to sit here and put myself through it yet again of hoping for the backdoor cover yeah. of the bears against the Packers. Yeah. Um, these next three games are three games that I would like to call pretty trash. Okay. So I don't really want to spend a lot of time on them sure but we'll start off here with the panthers at the giants giants at home as three as two and a half point favorites and hey i love brian dable going for it i know you're going to be a huge fan of that as well going for the win in that situation i love him even more dancing and rapping in the locker room after with his team you know that's what i'm gonna be about here Okay. But should we really be laying close to a field goal with them against anyone at home? No. I don't know. And, and, I don't and, like it. It stinks. <laughs> I'm on the Panthers. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Shells might be my favorite game Ooh. of the entire week. This is this is uh, okay. Let's put it this way. This is Panthers every which way but loose. Okay. We got it. We're trying to get three here, right? So somebody, I'm here. I'm here. We're with you. I'm with you. I'm with somebody you. Somebody okay. dive into this thing head first on the Giants so that we can get plus three on the Panthers. Uh, there's. I mean, the best I can do is Giants minus one in this okay. game. So, like, obviously, right there, Signal is a little overrated on the old Giants, right? Which yeah. through two and a half quarters, you never would have thought we would be having that sense, you know, saying those those words. Uh, but, you know, big things happen. People get excited. Dayball goes for it. And I'll tell you why you, you miscategorized uh, me on that play. That was a legitimately bad decision. <laughs> it was a legitimately bad. And just the fact, like, we just forgot that, like, you know, your boy Fat Randy, like, had an attempt to win the game. The reason that's a bad decision is because he had, an, he had ample attempt, uh, or they had ample time to get him that attempt. And so when it comes down, like, these are basic stuff, and we should start talking about it now, right? Two-point conversions are about 50-50. Right. Mm -hmm. Just because he made it doesn't make it 100 percent just because he got some cool play in the bag. It's also a bad play. It's a bad play call. Saquon just made a play. Absolutely. So either way, again, none of that matters. The, the decision before it happened is mm -hmm. that's 50 50. And at that point, if you get it, you incentivize the Titans to get weird to try to get in field goal position, i.e. you're giving them a fourth down to try to get into field goal position. Whereas if it was tied, they wouldn't go for it on fourth down right. to try to get into field goal position. So once you give a team a sort of guilt-free fourth down, their probability for being able to convert a first down goes up, right? Four tries, easier than three tries. And so the fact that they were able to get it into field goal range with over a minute left on the clock, like, yeah, of course they did. And so when you're adding that probability to the Titans, you're no longer at 50-50 for the win. If it was mm -hmm. just 50-50 for the win and you're like, I got Saquon Barkley, I got a play in my bag, let's go for it, that's fine. So if there's two seconds left, it's a good decision. But you're giving them a minute, right? And whatever probability you want to assign to them getting in field goal position and making that field goal position has to go on the side of the Titans that were already 50-50 before that two-point conversion is made. Now, if you kick the field goal, yes, the Titans are probably still theoretically going to try to, or I shouldn't say the field goal, the extra point, they're, the Titans are going to try to get a field goal, but they're not going to be incentivized to do so. And mm -hmm. listen, it's Mike Vrabel. He has the better team. He has the, he's the favorite. He probably wants to go to overtime. And at overtime, 
over time is 50-50. So you went from a real high probability chance of a 50-50 overtime to a 50-50 play plus Titans win probability of them going down and kick the, kicking the field goal. Now, again, it's the Titans. They never make field goals. Randy Bullock never makes clutch field goals, yada, yada, yada. It ended up working out. Everybody celebrated it. I guess, okay, it's for the culture. This is a changer, whatever, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> again, once you see, what's the old rule that we, we've had for two years now, right? If you see jumping and hugging on the sideline, you immediately fade that team in the very next week. <laughs> Daniel Jones has a phenomenal against the spread record on the road. Yeah. He does not have a phenomenal against the spread record at home. This is setting up perfectly for a classic Giants letdown situation here. Carolina probably wins, but let's try to get three. I'll take it at two and a half. If it goes down to two or one and a half, I'm still on the Panthers. Panthers, Panthers, Panthers. I love this game, even though it does feel kind of trashy. I got you. I got you. I like the Panthers as well. And this is going to sound really sickening, but I like the Jets plus six. The Jets at the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby Brissett versus Joe Flacco. Maybe. We're not sure. Uh, so, yeah, quick interjection here. All this, this has more to do with Survivor than it does anything else, right? And we oh. talked about Survivor, obviously, last week. We talked about it every week. Oh. Um, massive bloodbath in the Circus Survivor, which, like, if you're just oh. listening to this podcast now and you don't listen to literally anyone else, this is news to you, but you probably picked up on this at some point. Yeah, over 50, uh, I think it's 56% 56. all told. It means, you know, whether there's 6,100 people in your Survivor contest, 60 people in your Survivor contest, or six people in your Survivor contest, you probably had half the pool get wiped out last week. It's all the same, right? It's just scales. That being said, you probably still, again, unless you're, it's a six-person contest, you probably need to plan for the entire season. Are the Browns a top 18 or 20, if we're talking about Circa Survivor? Are they a top 18 or 20 team? Now, this is the exercise you have to do. Go down and list the top 20 teams in the league. And I'm here to tell you, brother, it gets pretty gross pretty quick, right? Which mm -hmm. means the, Bron the Browns are probably going to be have to used have to be used at some point. Now you're going yeah. like, yeah, you know what? I kind of rather use them when Deshaun Watson is back because I'm a little worried about Jacoby Brissett. Well, feel I should first time. I'm, I'm not familiar year. with that person, but we go can and, continue. <laughs> feel free and go and take a look at who the Browns have to play yeah, 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 yeah. in gotcha. the you know once that guy is you know back from <laughs> suspension. It's pretty rough, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing was, oh, there he's only going to miss six games, and look how easy their schedule is to start the season, and like da da da. Well, now it's up to eleven games, so now you only have six games of Deshaun Watson, and the schedule is brutal. And so you got if you're going to make it through 18 or 20 weeks, you either have to decide that the Browns and the Jacoby Brissett version of the Browns are just not an eight top 18 or top 20 team. And if they are, this is probably the best time to use them. And that's gross because like we talked about, there are four double digit spreads here. We didn't even talk about the Bills and Titans. I don't even want anything to do with that game. Probably why we haven't talked about it. Maybe we're saving it for later. Who knows? But yeah. point is, the Browns are the sort of strategic play here because you have to understand that you need 18 teams to win over the course of this season. I'm really glad we survived week one. That's, you know, as, much, as difficult as it was, always embarrassing if you're out week one. You can be week out week two or week 10. It's not going to matter. You need to get to week 18. 
I think the Browns are the play in Survivor this week because I think they're a top 18 team, even with Jacoby Brissett. And again, once you get to those last 12 to 14 teams, man, it is rough. The the flip side of this, and I, I understand exactly what you're saying because I'm looking at the double-digit point spreads, and I wouldn't really be that stunned or surprised by any of those teams winning outside maybe the Seahawks beating the Niners. But like, yeah. if the Texans beat the Broncos, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's kind of surprising, but not really. Right. And so, okay, 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 fair enough. Fair enough. And fair enough. the sick part of all this, by the way, is we haven't even talked point spread and what the number is. Honestly, based on the point spreads from last week, again, this is because the Browns were not even favored against the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Again, maybe they should be. I only have the Browns as four-point favorites in this game. So technically, you're right. There is value on the Jets at plus six. So we're in that like rough spot of like, oh man, there's this, value on the Jets against gonna the spread, be an, but the Browns are the strategic play in Survivor. It's going to be an ugly, ugly game, and I can already enjoy at this moment. I'll be up at a cottage this weekend okay. sweating out that Survivor pick. So let's go. I'm looking forward to it. We Hey, if you're going to win Survivor, you're going to make it, make a run. There's going to be weeks that you're sweating it out. Hey, why not make it week two? I hear you. Speaking of sweating it out, that's what always seems to happen with your man's Carson Wentz. And his commanders at yeah. the Lions, who also somehow figure out a way to make things interesting here. Don't really want to spend a lot of time here at all on this game. Sure. But I'm on the Lions minus two. And it's mostly just because I hate Carson Wentz. I'm not, I'm gonna be very honest with you. There's not a lot of reason for it. He played well last week. He really yeah. did. He, he made some big well, plays. Well, he played Carson Wentzy, right? It looks exactly. awesome every little while, and then it looks terrible. And you go, like, this is our guy. I don't want to see him ever again in my life. He's amazing. He's the worst quarterback it's on, on planet Earth. Like turnovers, touchdown throws. They cover the spread on a touchdown where like I was terrified they were just gonna end up kicking a field goal. Like it all somehow worked out. But the fact of the matter is, we gotta hop in the old time machine to listen to the podcast last week and we talked about this man like we were hoping eagles beat up on the lions commanders beat the jags and then we get value on the lions maybe we get some plus money on a money line maybe get commanders mm -hmm. on the road as road favorites both of those things kind of happen even though the lions obviously had the back door of all back doors kind of their you know insane <laughs> kind of their thing over the years and the commanders won and like we're still not getting the Lions as home underdogs of any kind in this game. We can't even get a pick 'em in this game. The line open minus one got all the way up to two and a half at two, two and a half. Anything under the under a field goal, like I hate to say it because like it's not a valuable bet necessarily. But like our plan the whole time was gonna bet was going to be to bet the Lions in this game. Again, we got to give up the two. That's kind of rough. But yeah, I think the Lions are the play this week. I thought they were the play even before last week. I just hope we get a little bit more value and we didn't. And I'm kind of bummed out about it. Hopefully it doesn't matter come Sunday. I like it. Two more games here. Got to wrap up a little quick here. But we got yep. the Titans at the Bills. You mentioned a 10-point spread. And the reason I didn't put them in with that is because I'm already going to lay the points with the Bills. Okay. <laughs> and... This is one of those games where it's like, I am not going to, like overall, okay, trying to fight against all the Bills hype and the Bills momentum that is just being slammed down, down our throats. And then they come yeah. out, they have such a great game in week one. And then now you got all this time off and you play on Monday night the following week, week two. That's yeah. a lot of time. 
a lot of time for their offense to continue feeling themselves and keep rolling. And if there is a team to ride the 10 point wave, I'm going to, I'm going to do it with the bills and yeah. the Titans offense. I didn't really like, didn't really like oh. what I saw from the Titans offense at all. Yeah. So, the Titans might stink. The Titans yeah. might stink. Like my number is like 9.2. I'm not going to be like, Oh, value city on the Titans here because like, this might need a little home field advantage bump for the Monday night element mm -hmm. to Buffalo. Again, like you said, like extra rest, all of that sort of thing. Not going to stand in your way here. Buffalo might absolutely crush them. And then we might find ourselves taking a trip to value town in Miami in week Ooh. three, because we'll have a short week road yeah. game, Buffalo going from an indoor game to a probably nice temperate orchard park to a hotter than the blazes of hell, Miami, uh, you know, dolphin stadium or whatever it's called hard rock field or whatever. whatever um, yeah. yeah. This has, this has week three fade of Buffalo um, way more interested in that than I am a week two fade of Buffalo. So, uh, you know, do your worst there. If we find a minus nine and a half at some point in the next week, I'll probably be in on the bills. I like it. I like it. And our last game is there's two Monday nighters, Ooh. which is still strange to me, but not going to be complaining next Monday night at all. Vikings at Eagles. Eagles, two-point favorites at home. Give me the Vikings. I talked about liking the Vikings, and I know the one big thing here that gives me the pause, gives me the caution here, is that the Vikings play really, really well at home and then sometimes sputter a little bit on the road. That's yeah. the only thing that really has me worried because their offense looked incredible. Find me the person or team or defense that can slow up Justin Jefferson. Yeah. I'll, I'll be here waiting. Right. But yeah, I'm on the Vikings plus two points. Yeah, I have Philly minus a half here. So I think there's a little bit of value at that number. Uh, I got so excited about the Panthers and the Giants. I forgot to put out the um, you know obligatory alert about the two and a half point spread getting kicked up in a teaser, right? You could pair that with the uh, Steelers. Another two point spread here, obviously a higher total, right? Mm -hmm. Either team could win this game by 10 points and it would probably be still considered a close game because of the, each team's offense. I just think this is a really fun game to watch. I don't think I'm dying to grab either team in this game, but I think, you know, from a lean standpoint, I do have so much invested theoretically in the Vikings success this year. I will say I wrote a column over the summer about the odds to um, which team would be undefeated the longest. And I had two plays and one of them was the chargers and one of them was the Eagles. And it's because the schedule gets a lot softer for both of those teams after this week. And so this is sort of that hurdle that if they go two and O they can go six and O. And at that point they may very well could be the last team sort of standing from an undefeated standpoint. Right. So again, I kind of already have interest in both of these teams winning. So I yeah. kind of clouded from that. Uh, Justin Jefferson, by the way, I think is still really good value to lead the league in receiving. We, we assumed, or we sort of bet on him getting open. He got open and he's got now a 30 yard lead on everybody else. And all he did was go from plus 750 to plus 600. So go ahead and grab some Justin Jefferson to lead the league in receiving yards if you haven't already, but otherwise just sit back and enjoy this game. Nice two screen experience on Monday night. And I'm looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun as the NFL continues to show its dominance over the rest of the sporting world. And you know what? I'm not complaining. And if you want to find out more information and education, as I like to say, where can the people find you and what you're working on and the articles you got week to week just all over the NFL? 
Yeah, man. Uh, NFL Central over here. Uh, at MRUS Authentic is the uh, Twitter handle. Obviously, you can check out at the score and the score bet. Um, download the app, set your uh, alerts for and for betting content, all of that sort of stuff. If it's the NFL, it's probably me. Survivor picks, teasers, uh, best bets, Moneyline Underdog Parlay that came so close to hitting and sort of did, depending on where you bet. Um, uh, all of that stuff. Ratings early on in the week. Basically, we try to go through the build throughout the week, right? We work on our ratings early on in the week. Then we get down to our various bets throughout the rest of the week and then have a little fun on Thursday with our sign. Seinfeld themed Thursday night football props and then finish it up on Monday with the best bets for Monday that went two and one this past week because for one for one reason or another Pete Carroll just couldn't settle for a field goal at any point maybe they got one long field goal but who you know can you believe Pete Carroll actually going for things on fourth down I couldn't uh either way it was a winning a winning Monday and a winning weekend and uh you know you got to celebrate them while you can Got to celebrate them while you can for sure and make sure you follow Matt to keep continuing to cash some checks throughout this NFL season. You can follow me as my name is Sheldon Alexander and you can follow me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts because this is the on blast podcast and we're just here trying to hand out winners each and every week again fresh off a 10 and 6 last week just trying to stay above water kids just trying to stay above water so hopefully you enjoyed this edition of the on blast podcast network Again, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this this is the on blast podcast network We'll be back next week. Until next time, see ya. Boom, blast.